When the art day gets rough, you just gotta keep on punching. And here's your Thunder Punch Daily with Jersey Droz. So I'm going down my to-do list today. Got a page of inks done. Uh, civic duties and whatnot. Checking in with uh, an art buddy of mine for, you know, seeing how our projects are, are coming together. Sort of like support group kind of thing. And the next one on my list is Thunder Punch Daily 219. So here I am. I'm doing it. I'm recording an audio essay for Tuesday, November 8th. Uh, 2016. And, uh, you know, on the this is part of the Art Sound Off Challenge. Real briefly, Art Sound Off is this thing where me and my buddy Rob Stenzinger check in every day with an audio essay or some kind of audio uh, accompaniment to the work that we make as visual storytellers. And we invite the whole rest of the world to, to play along. If you want to hear everybody else's entries, and there's been a, quite a few, uh, go to Twitter and check out the Art Sound Off hashtag. You can see everybody who's playing along. And there's still time. You can play along, too, if you want to. Um, that's that's why we invited everybody, right? Because um, it's I, I find a lot of value in collecting my thoughts and, and taking what Kate Stenzinger, Rob's wife, she was on an episode of Leonard's Art recently, taking what Kate called a purposeful pause in the day, taking a moment to reflect on what you're doing and why. Why is the big uh, uh, prompt for me today? And I know at artsoundoff.com, there's a whole bunch of prompts there to suggest, like if you don't know where to start with uh, doing an Art Sound Off entry, you can start there. But um, I've been trying to keep my eye open for prompts that are specific to me, just because I'll be able to speak to it uh, fairly authentically, because it's something I'm dealing with, something I'm struggling with, right? And I was listening to, while I was inking, I was listening to uh, Tyler James's Comics Launch podcast, specifically episode 69, which uh, I think is the most la latest one uh, entitled Getting Backers Off the Sidelines. Uh, and it's it's really kind of geared towards um, Kickstarter, starting a Kickstarter campaign. And, you know, you have only so much reach. And a good proportion of that reach, i.e. the people who are your constituency, the people who follow you on social media and, you know, subscribe to your website or emailing list, uh, a substantial number of them are going to stand on the sidelines and not support you directly through a crowdfunding campaign. Um, and so he was proposing strategies for enticing more of your uh, constituency to, to step up and support you. Uh, and it, it's it's a pretty interesting show. And one of the things that, that Tyler said that really resonated with me is he was he was kind of uh, addressing some criticism on his show, and he said something about. Uh, uh, the criticism was about him talking too much about his own projects uh, or inserting them too much in the show, like in the form of advertisements, which I do as well on the Lena to Art cast. Uh, and he said, like, you know, I, 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 I won't back down from that. I want to talk about my things proudly and excitedly. And he's like, I hope you'll do the same thing for your stuff. And I was like, yeah, you know, that is a good reminder that I do need to talk about my stuff with a little less of that sheepishness of, well, it's not very good, but not that I do it that way. But with that kind of that that stoic humility because you don't want to be quote unquote that guy or that gal who you know leads with your business card uh but at the same time it's like you know i got a graphic novel that, that I've been, i'm working on now and i'm gonna have uh, i'm gonna be expected or rather it's in my best interest to promote it so i gotta start thinking about that kind of stuff um and so anyway one of the strategies that tyler talked about boy i'm going along with this whole intro bit aren't i uh, 
one of the the strategies Tyler mentioned was um, telling the real reason why you're doing this. Right? What's the real reason you're making this comic, this thing? Um, meaning, what reason do you have that sets you apart from anybody else doing it? Like, if you say, like, oh, I'm making a superhero comic. Well, I think superheroes are cool. That's all. You know, that, that's not a really compelling reason why this particular book means so much to you. Right? And I think about a crasser version of this, or at least a way to sort of frame up this idea is like when you watch the Olympics or you watch like the voice, um, any competitive show on broadcast television, at least in the United States, they tend to sort of package up the contestant with this whole backstory about how they came from nowhere or they had somebody in their family was ill or there was some kind of insurmountable struggle in their past some kind of setback, some kind of real pain in their past that by skiing this slope, swimming this lap, or singing this song, that is going to save them from, or this is going to redeem them, or this is going to elevate them above all of this struggle. It's, it's a narrative that at least Westerners get really hooked. You know, we get hooked on it. We love it. And sometimes it can be done very cheaply. Um, but then again, who am I to judge? Because, you know, it's like one of my favorite things to watch in the entire world are 50s monster movies, which are not the, not the height of literature, you know? Like The Colossus of New York is one of my favorite, one of my favorite movies. Oh, gosh, I love it. But it's, is it a great story? Hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, we get, we get really... It, it's a very attractive thing, that type of narrative. And so Tyler was kind of pushing in that direction of saying, like, okay, well, what's your reason? I don't think Tyler, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I don't think he was ever suggesting that we tell some story of of struggle and overcoming some kind of huge setback through making this thing, but at least bringing the personal element to what you're doing. And so for this Thunder Punch Daily, with the time I have left, what I'd like to try to do is practice this for myself um, with the Boulder and Fleet webcomic. Now, I want to say that on the Boulder and Fleet Patreon, I have been sharing some podcasts for Team Pickles and Team Fleet uh, supporters. And that's the $3 and $10 level, um, which tell the story. I, I do tell a lot more personal stories on those podcasts, but that's like for people who are really signed on to what I'm doing. So I feel a little less risk in doing that, but it is something I'm going to have to level up about when it comes time to promote this graphic novel I'm working on. So anyway, I think I said that twice. So what is what is the real reason? What's the personal reason that I make the comic Boulder and Fleet? Now, I'm going to be at a little bit meta for a second because I do have to qualify this, or I feel the, the, the urge to qualify this in that it didn't start out as a uh, personal thing. It started out as an experimental thing. You know, like six years ago, I just sat down and said, can I do a, a, a mini comic in addition to my regular workload? See if I can fit it in. Uh, and and start from scratch with no agenda, no mission. Let's just let's just try to operate from some kind of subconscious or reflexive center, and let the ideas happen without being too critical of them as they're happening. Let the panic of trying to ship guide the project, right? And so I came up with this idea of the bear and a bird, and I've already told the story a bunch of other places that you know it was largely me asking the question of what would my wife like to read. Let's make a story that she would like, and boom, I. I I did the thing and people reacted to it and people whose tastes I have a lot of trust in reacted very positively to it. So I decided to put more energy into it and develop further. Now, as I developed it further, that's when I discovered my personal connection to the work. And my personal connection came out of the fact that, um, and I know a lot of people have heard me talk about this on like things like comics are great, but I'm going to, I'm going to dig a little bit more deeply into the personal elements of it is that 
I have kind of um, a fascination with pacifist heroes or heroes who operate with a, a large degree of restraint, who have the power to decimate everybody in the room, but they would never, ever do it because there's something fundamental in their character and their values that, that would never let them do it. They would, they would never permit them to do it. Um, and how does one navigate that kind of tension? Um, now, why? Why is that so interesting to me? Um, when I was a kid, I grew up in a very, very rural area, a town called Beale City, Michigan. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's so small. I mean, the, the last census, I think it was something like, and this was the 2000 census, it was like 300 people in the whole town, right? In my class, when I was growing up, there was, I think, 25 kids in my entire grade, Right. Uh, the school, I think there was 250 kids from kindergarten to high school. So 13 grades or whatever, 250 kids, right? Split it up. Uh, and while I think for the most part, having going to such a small school meant that I, that a lot of us were very, very close. Um, I, I don't, I don't remember there being like cliques or anything or like little tribes in my class up to about seventh grade because we were just such a small group. Uh, but I do remember that, like, you know, older kids, kids from other grades, um, they gave me a hard time. This isn't, like, scarring material, but it's, like, when you're... It, it was the early 80s. It was a very rural area. Uh, the definition of masculinity was quite... Well, not quite, but it was a bit different then. And uh, and so there was, like, a, a, a bit of might makes right going on. And I think that still persists amongst kids as they're figuring out what the boundaries are in their lives and what, uh, you know what they can get away with, what they can't, what, what are the limitations. But uh, it, was, it, was very, it was very strong when I was a kid, this, this idea of might makes right, to the point where it's like you could get roughed up on the playground and without much interference from faculty. Like if it got really bad, they'd get involved. But for the most part, if it was like pushing you in the mud, knocking down, kicking you a little bit, it kind of went overlooked. Um, now, as a kid who was, when I was little, when I was in elementary school, I was smaller than most of the other kids. I didn't hit my growth spurt until high school. And then I'm, you know, rocketed up to six foot one. But, um, but when I was in, in grade school, I was very small and also, you know, not very strong, not very athletic. I was, I was a, you know, a withdrawn kid who liked to draw pictures of superheroes and stuff. I didn't really get a kick out of running around with a pack of boys and, you know, kicking a ball or anything like that, which also kind of made me a target a little bit. Uh, but I remember one time six, six kids teamed up and, and roughed me up a little bit and they didn't give me a very good reason why it was just like, well, we're just looking for some fun and you're small and you're not going to give us much trouble. So here you go. Uh, and I remember the, 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 not knowing what to do with that. Right. I, I remember being very confused and frightened by this whole prospect of like, I could go to school tomorrow and like, and we've seen this in like shows like freaks and geeks, right? The little kids get pushed around. Um, and as a kid who was really into fiction and really into creating fiction and writing and drawing, you know, it's like, I kind of looked to those areas like, well, where, what are these guys dealing with? And like, you know, you get talking about like power fantasies, like, wow, Superman wouldn't have to put up with that. Batman wouldn't have to put up with that. Right. They, they have the power to deal with this. But that, that too was confusing because, uh, I, I didn't like being on the receiving end of that. And so even though, you know, in my darker moments, I would have fantasies about, oh, if I was powerful, I'd show those guys what for. And like you'd see like the ending of the movie, the never ending story where the kid gets back at the bullies and everything. There's a certain satisfaction that comes out of that. But I think it's an empty satisfaction. And I think as a young boy, 
I was having trouble reconciling that. You know, I don't think in, in, I couldn't tell you in so many words, but I remember it was it, it felt incomplete somehow. And then I came across a few heroes who, you know, like He-Man, yes, but also there were some other characters like First Aid and the Transformers and like um, Lifeline on G.I. Joe, who in the midst of all of this, this combat-oriented adventure, right, G.I. Joe especially, G.I. Joe is a big, big, um, very guilty of this, where, you know, they solve a lot of problems by punching a dude in the face um, or shooting at his plane and blowing it up, you know. Uh, you have these characters who show up who say, like, no, I don't believe in hurting other people. I, I, as a matter of fact, I feel so strongly that I will not even defend myself with violence. I will find another way to solve this problem. I'll get, I will run away. I will block. I will parry. I will defend, but I will never attack, and I will never hurt another person in order to, you know, uh, I, I will never use violence as a, as a recourse. Now, as a kid growing up in this very rural area, this was like a lightning bolt. I was like, whoa, that's a choice? Because everywhere I look around me, I'm getting signals that the way to be a man is to be stronger, physically stronger than everybody else. Knock them down. Somebody's in your way, you knock them down. That's what a man does, right? And what's more is like, eh, if you're a real, real man, you kind of go around looking for trouble a little bit. Uh, I think of one of my favorite heroes as a kid growing up was Indiana Jones, like a lot of kids in the early 80s, Indiana Jones. And let's think about that scene now that really gives me a lot of problems. As a kid, I thought it was funny. There's that scene where he's in the marketplace in, in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Market, all the people in the marketplace part, and then there's Indiana Jones standing there, and at the other end of the, you know, the, the market is this dude with a giant saber, and he's like swinging it around and laughing. Like, oh, I'm going to chop you up good. And Indiana Jones just looks impatient, pulls his gun out, kills the guy. And everybody cheers. Yay, the bad guy's been killed. And it's like this moment of relief and catharsis and whatever. And I, I totally get catharsis. But I'm just saying, as the little fifth, fourth grader, who third grader who watched that movie, that was the messaging I was getting, is that, you know, there's going to be people give you problems. What do you do? You knock them down. You shoot them, you punch them, you do something like that. So to have characters show up who say that, no, actually operating with restraint, and you're not wrong for feeling upset about hurting somebody else you're not weird for thinking that it's it's uncomfortable to cause somebody else pain right hearing that was profound when i was in fifth grade i mean like it was it was so important to me that uh i remember saying to you know my friends i'm like i think i'm a pacifist i don't think i don't think i want to fight now of course <laughs> You can imagine, but that you don't telegraph that, right? You don't go around broadcasting that dumb little me. I'm walking around going like, oh, I think I'm a pacifist, because uh, that's just like it was open call for bullies, right? But uh, and, and and what's more is like they always in the ends of those morals of those shows, they're always like it takes more courage not to fight. Uh, that didn't really provide me with a whole lot of comfort when you know you're getting buffeted around by bigger kids. But, you know, as, as I grew up and got older, I realized that it had a, it had a direct effect on the trajectory I took as a, as a person, right? So why is Boulder and Fleet important to me as a project? Because it's my opportunity to put my own spin on that message and to share my own personal experiences. And again, some of my own personal experiences do make it into the book uh, with, uh, you know, with, with those ideas, and sort of retell the story for the younger me who is going through that, like kind of look back and say like, okay, you know, when you were dealing with this, this um, cognitive dissonance of strength equaling masculinity, yet not liking the effect of in enforcing one's strength on another person, 
Um, here's, here's, here's some frameworks for, for approaching that. That's my why. And see, that's why I wanted to use this as practice because that was not very refined. Okay. All right. Who am I? Uh, I am the pacifist known as Jersey Droz. Comics are great. Well, not comics are great. Well, comicsgreat.com is where you can find a lot of my stuff. Jdroz.com. There's a bunch of other sites. The one site I, I would uh, encourage you to go to right now is um, patreon.com slash lean into art. That's where my buddy Rob Sensinger and I are posting all of our art sound offs. We're the guys who came up with the art sound off challenge. Um, and, uh, you know, I, if you like what you find there, uh, it would be really cool if you go ahead and support us on our Patreon, like a buck a month. You know, every little bit adds up. Uh, if enough people do it, then we can make the show sustainable. We can pay for our time in, that we use to make the Lean Into Art cast. Uh, but failing that, if you just want to go to Twitter.com and search for the Art Sound Off hashtag, there's a whole bunch of people who are all sharing their, their work and their thoughts about their work. Uh, in audio form. So a lot of different voices to hear in the art community, which is super, super cool. Thanks to everybody who's been playing along. It's been great listening to all you guys. And I do plan on following up with some of the things I've been hearing in the different shows. Okay. I think I'm going to get out of here. I think I made myself uncomfortable enough for one Thunder Punch Daily. So I'll be back soon. And until then, remember everybody. Helping his dragon friend sure kept E-Man busy today. And Brindle's tests were pretty tough. In one of those tests, prove his courage, he was challenged to a fight. But He-Man wouldn't fight. The fact is, fighting never proves anything. Trying to find a peaceful way to settle a problem is usually the best way. And if someone calls you a coward or a chicken, don't let it worry you. It often takes more courage not to fight. Until later, bye now.